0: Right now, what's the subtext going on here? Right, this is like on the surface, it's like, hey, uh, it's like, hey, listen, you know, the FBI, they tap all our houses. You know, I want to come and see you, but I can't. Like, what's going on? It's like on the surface, it's a criminal, right? It's a criminal mobster and his second, like, most loyal person. What's the subtext? It's a friend going, Why don't you talk to me anymore? Right, <laughs> I miss you. You're my best friend. Why don't we chat? Why don't we hang out? Hello, and welcome to the Story Toolkit. I'm Basim O'Keel, co-author of Action, The Art of Excitement with Robert McKee, and joining me is Luke Lionel, writer and part of the McKee Storylog team. So today, we're going to talk about cast design again, with The Sopranos. We're going to talk about something completely different about cast design. Yes. But we're going to use The Sopranos to talk about it. Talk about casts. <laughs> Tight. Tight.
1: I know. True. Uh, As always, if you want to get in touch, uh, we're on Twitter at The Story Toolkit, uh, and the website thestorytoolkit.wordpress.com has all the means with which to get in touch, and all the episodes. Let's get into it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what we're going to talk about today is institutionalizing your cast, which is a thing... I came up with not that long ago. like, And so you've never heard this before. So let me just try and explain what institutionalizing your cast means. So uh, what happens is when you design your cast, we've talked about in the Firefly episode, we talked about polarizing your cast. We've talked several times about dimensionalizing characters. Institutionalizing your cast is a little different. What that means is you're creating a sort of political hierarchy within the cast itself that gives a structure to how everyone fits into the cast themselves, right? So it's not just how individual characters are, it's how the whole group of characters works together. It's so how they react to each other. How, how, they, they, react how they react to, to each other should. and so on. Yeah, exactly. So um, so uh, the thing is, this is, there's always a politics between people, right? So you get, you know, like teacher-student, father-son... Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, what else? There's loads more, and I'm drawing blanks. Husband, <laughs> husband, wife, yeah. right? There's always some sort of structure between people, right? Even if it's just two. So it's not like they don't exist, because what happens is, even if you're just like two friends, there's a history behind you that influences the nature of how you interact, right? So like, for example, one of the friends can drive and the other one can't right so when you go do a trip there's an institution at play there because one of you drives the other one doesn't so the one who drives kind of has to do a lot of the leg work has to drive and so some in some relationships that might mean they get to pick things like yeah. what gets played on the radio this other times though you might have two friends and one of the friends is a total tyrant and even though he can't drive he treats his other friend like a chauffeur right do you see what i mean yeah so and it might be Fine, they might not actually hate each other. But my point is, it's like there's always some sort of politics between people, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily always bad or unjustified or oppressive. It's just there, right? So your cast will have a similar thing. But because characters are fiction, they don't really exist, this is something a writer has to give them. And inherently intuitively writers will do this so like the typical buddy cop thing is one's a rookie one day from retirement you know that's the cliche i've got one day left to retirement and the other one's the the uh, 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 one of the one of them's the old right, and the other one's the rookie and so it's just like the senior cop like, oh, listen kid you haven't walked the beat i have and so immediately there's a relationship between the two of them that's institutionalized one is old in charge and so on the other one is young inexperienced and so that dynamic uh, can, is then further uh, specified by their dimensions and how they're polarized so importantly
1: that that though that example that yeah. um, institution is generated by
0: their surface relationship right exactly yeah so they're both policemen but they're not just any two policemen one is a, one is, a, is is new to the beat and the other one is close to retiring on this beat yeah and so that, that that institutionalizes their relationship. So um, and so and so, but it gets it's specified by character. So obviously, Agent K and Agent J and Men in Black, their relationship's different to say Mills and Somerset in Seven.
1: Yeah.
0: But it's still the same thing of rookie and senior, right? Yeah. And so uh, there's a teacher, uh, m- uh, there's like a mentor student element to it. Okay. So that institutionalizes their relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas, say, if you have a different... You could have two cops that don't have that element. Like, Hot Fuzz doesn't.
1: No.
0: Hot Fuzz, they're best friends.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? That's their relationship. They're cops, but they also are best friends. They're almost lovers. Yeah. Right? Uh, So that's... So it's a completely different relationship. You see, but it's still institutionalized in the same way. Yeah. Okay? So uh, so it's still institutionalized. (coughs) So... So institutionalizing your cast, yes. does a bunch of things for it you, does. right? Yes. So one of the obvious things that you came up with that I missed, <laughs> <laughs> which was that if you pick an institution that contradicts uh, the surface relationship, you inherently create subtext because every action takes uh, takes on a subtextual meaning. So if on the like in Hot Fuzz, right, on the surface they're policemen officers, Hmm. policemen officers, (laughs) right, on the surface, but uh, the subtext is they're best friends. Yeah. So when they say stuff, it has that subtextual thing of, you know, I really love you, Nick. Well, I really love you, Danny. Right? Yeah. You're my best friend. You know, I trust you and all that stuff. So that's underneath the surface of it. Um, And so even Lego Batman does this as well, Uh, quite because it's like hero and villain, but actually... (laughs) Joker and Batman is kind of a love story between them <laughs> so, okay. in the subtext. So um so that's that so yeah, so if you pick a institution that directly contradicts um the the surface level, it'll instantly give a very deep rich subtext. Whereas if it's more resonant there'll still be subtext but it won't be necessarily as obvious or stark. And with with Hot Fuzz the comedy comes from that contradiction. Yeah. Or as you would say, the incongruity. Yes. Right. Um, so that's one thing it does. Another thing it does is it helps polarize the caste because everyone in the caste is a different aspect of the institution, right? So um if you have like a family, someone's the dad, someone's the mum, someone's the son, someone's the daughter, someone's the baby, mm-hmm. right? So that polarizes the caste. <clears throat> it will just inherently do that. So if you haven't polarized your caste, then this will help. Uh, it will help dimensionalize the caste. Because if again, on the surface they are act one way, and in but the institutional role is contradictory. Not only will it create subtext, but it will dimensionalise them. Mm. So, uh, for example, uh, if you have well, we're going to see this with the Sopranos, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. But obviously, like Tony, on the surface is a dad, but in this, but at the same time, he's a mob boss, right? So, at, on in his family with Carmela, he acts like he loves women. But actually, he hates women when he's a mobster, right? He just treats them horribly. He sleeps around and all that kind of do stuff. Do you think it's Doesn't always...
1: I was just thinking on the family example. Do you think it's always in your interest to uh, try and contradict the surface relationship with the institution underneath? Or can you... Uh, I'm, I'm, again, family example. If yeah. you were writing a story about a family, would yeah. it... Would you have to find interesting things in your story elsewhere if you just applied the family institution to them as is? Or would you try and look for something else to contradict it?
0: Well, I, I don't think you have... I think if you were doing a domestic drama, right? Yeah. Everyone is going to be part of that family anyway. Yeah. So you might not institutionalise them in a different way. But then what's interesting about a dad acting as a dad? I mean, You, right. you, you That's could why you I could asked. simply... You could even simply have a family in a domestic drama institutionalize them as a family but reverse all the roles sure so, so the dad the dad, the it, the dad yeah. is ty- the dad is tyrannized by the son rather than oh I see actually do you know what I mean yeah it, so like the son it. is in charge of the family yeah, sure. instead of, this, of the father right okay uh, or the mother is is being uh, is being mother-ed. Hen-pecked, mom- henpecked mothered sure. you know by someone else that like you can f- totally flip it around it, the, people that love stories right yeah the woman acts like the man the man acts like yeah, the woman yeah, yeah. you could that's one way you could flip it around but if you were to do it like okay the dad is the dad is the archetypal dad type thing it's like that's fine but then how is he dimensionalized what's the story about uh, and i'm sure you could do that i'm sure there's no problem with doing that it's just a question of it's it, it, it's just a question of like that your story is 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 about whatever it's about, mm. but so, but the, because the cast is institutionalized, uh, it'll still have all these elements to it. It just might not be as as um, as um, as obvious or as stark. You know, it's okay. okay. It doesn't. Ha- this is this isn't something that has to be as I as I, as I was saying. Like if if you have the institution and the the surface be very close, then. The subtext will be very, very minor, yeah. but then because subtext can have a spectrum, you know? Okay, because so, that's include that's even thinking like <clears throat> things like the subtext is conscious, like some characters might be unconscious. Like, I just watched Sneaky Pete yesterday, right? Which you've been telling me to watch, yes, and I'm really, <laughs> I really love the first episode. But he has a subtext when he's conning people, he's consciously doing things to manipulate them, mm. right? But the other person isn't aware of it. And so the subtext for them is unconscious. So I mean, okay. So there's a thing of just like so when we talk about subtext, it's not just one sort of thing. It's there's there's a there's a there's like a spectrum of subtext from all the way from like conscious on from on the nose to actually subtext. Yeah. Yeah. Too deep, unconscious subtext to Im- like poetic subtext and imagery subtext, which is the next thing. I was going to
1: say so, yeah. um, and I'll, I'll I'll list these in the timestamp on the website as well because there are six to go through. So number one is subtext. Number two is polarizing your cast. Number three
0: well, was dimensionalizing the cast, right? Polarizing and dimensionalizing I put under the same one. Oh, okay, fair enough. So the next one would be uh, imagery. Yeah, which is that you can uh, you can create an image system by having a Cast uh, Talk and act a certain way That uh, Isn't what they are on the surface So um, You know, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example The man who would be king For example, you have uh, Sean Connery's character And um, uh, Michael Caine's character, Peachy and Drava, You have those two characters, on the one hand They seem like civilised English soldier Gentlemen, but they're actually criminals and that plays into this whole image system of civilization as criminalization. Right. Civilizing okay. someone is actually just committing crimes against them. Okay. That's the image system in the in the story. So that would be an example of how you could do an image system by the nature of like people will say and act in certain ways that aren't what you know that the surface isn't doing, but it's a a poetic image system that's running through the story. Okay. That's one option. Cool. The other thing that will happen is, what did you say it was generating scenes? Was one? Was another? One. Yeah,
1: I could, I, Generating scenes, or at least generating turns. Mm. It was looking forward in your story. So, if you have a, um, um, uh, I mean, we'll go into more details with Sopranos in a bit. But if you have um, a character who's on the surface is a is a criminal, but you have this family relationship underneath
0: as yeah. the institution,
1: yeah, then you look at. How a family interacts with each other and things that would happen in a family, yeah, it, as a way to generate turns or, or beats in your story. So, for example, a dramatic one might be you know, the son leaving home or being kicked out of home. Well, you do that in a mob story, then you've got the boss kicking
0: yeah. a, a soldier out, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and you also like in, in The Sopranos, there is a good example of this with uh, Chris, yeah, yeah, becoming yeah. a made man, right? Yeah, of course. Um because Chris becoming a made man is kind of like letting your son play poker, <laughs> you know, with your buddies. It's like, hey, you're part of the, you're part of the inner circle now, right? You're yeah. you're no longer a kid. You're a man now, right? He's a made man, right? They've just yeah. made him a man. Um, so that's, that's There's that kind of element to it. it, it you, you might not think about having those kind of scenes at all. But because of that dynamic, it creates scenes that are unique to these characters in this world. Yeah. Because uh, no one else has really combined these two things in the I same like,
1: way. I like that point, actually. I want to um, just pause on it for a second. The the fact that this will create scenes unique to your story. Yeah. If you have on the surface one thing and you contradict that with this institution underneath, mm. this is likely to be a combination that's uh, not been done in this way before. Right? Exactly, yeah.
0: And it just means like, you can really change things up... Um, between things, Um so your mob family is different to another mob family. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And in for,
1: fact, for the the cop stories that you listed, you know, you have yeah. the the buddy cop with the teacher student, but actually, yeah. if you have the 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 cop with the two cops with a love story, all of a sudden you have a very very different right. story. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um. So that's number four. Generating
0: turns. Number five. Oh, it makes it makes exposition invisible. <clears throat> How so? This I this I quite like because if you are institutionalized there are certain things that happen in institutions that are just taken for granted that you don't need to explain that you just you don't need to explain for example if someone is in charge there are a couple of things that happen one thing that happens is you ex- if you're in charge you expect things to get done right that's what being in charge You don't means. do them yourself you don't do them they just get done yeah you have resources available to you. You can do things like you can pull rank. You expect people to listen to you when you talk, right? <laughs> so people shut up when you speak. Yeah. They don't talk over you. Um, you don't have to yell so much because people do, it, they do what you tell, tell them to do, right? So there's a sense of things get done. They have a bit more, not free time, but they have time in a different way. Yeah. They haven't got a schedule in the same sense. Uh, their schedule is theirs, they can cancel appointments rather than keep them if they want to, things like that so there's all kinds of of invisible exposition that gets drawn into the story that doesn't need explaining Um, so uh, because when two characters or rather when two people have a certain shared relationship no one says it (laughs) right, (laughs) teachers don't come in and go I am your teacher, you are my students I am now imparting a lesson to you that's not how that works. The that's teacher. How I, that's how I begin every lesson. <laughs> you walk in, you take roll call. Everyone knows you're the teacher. It's just done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they may be rambunctious, they may yell, they may, blah, 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 may cause havoc, like all that stuff. But it's like, but the teachers don't go. I'm the teacher. <laughs> Let me explain how teacher-student relationships work. At least the good teachers don't. You don't need... It's like, it's just... It, it's implied this is how it is. And if it's not happening, then the teacher tries to assert control. Yeah. But they don't assert control by explaining how teacher-student relationships work. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. it's just there, yeah. right? So the teacher comes in. I have the plan. I'm setting the agenda. These things are getting done. If the students don't do it, they're going to get punished. There's going to be problems if you don't do it. I've burnt out. I've had enough. I hope all children go to hell. Like, that's... <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) as as a student i've noticed this in teachers never become a teacher (laughs) by the way um (laughs) that's all i do that's what i'm doing right now um okay number six uh number Mm. six is uh what was the sixth one tactics oh they have tactics so if you have a institutionalized group of people they the, the only way you can get to the top of an institution is by having done things uh, so they, you have resources available to you and strategies and tactics to be able to do things. Even like the child emperor type thing, right? How do they get things done? They tell other people to do them. I want this thing done. It gets done, right? right. If it doesn't get done, they complain and they whine and blah blah blah. So, um, so you you just inherently have tactics built in. You have resources that you can utilize. A, a way of trying to accomplish. Yeah, a way things. of things getting done, and because you. Because you're at the top of an institution, or you're somewhere in an institution, you either know what you're supposed to do to get further up the institution, but you know what you've had to do to get to where you are anyway. Yeah. So what happens is that that you develop these characters that has a relationship backwards, in store in in the, in time. Yeah, yeah. So they have a in the, they have a natural history. See, a lot of people when they write, they come up with these enormous biographies, right? But. How do you even get to use them? Like, when I would try and do these enormous biographies, I always hated it because it just felt like I'm being very arbitrary. I'm just putting things onto a page to legitimize the fact that I don't know what I'm doing.
1: Mm.
0: Whereas if you have an institution, you inherently, you start inventing backstory events to fit the institution, Right. And they're not arbitrary they're specific and you also have an idea of how you're going to be using them so you decide how this person got through school there may never be a line of dialogue or anything anywhere in the story about how the character got through school but the nature of how they got through school has told you a tactic they have namely say they were the class clown yeah or they studied really hard
1: it's going back to the family example there's quite a kind of neat example yeah. to use here if you have a uh, a son who is the tyrant of the family over the dad yeah um then naturally you think well, how did they come to that situation yeah and that's worth exploring absolutely right yeah whereas opposed to um as opposed to what date was this son born and where and yeah. this is just useless information yeah. but um the yeah the well, information I, I, of how they got to that stage is, is interesting.
0: There's the film August Osage County. I've not seen that with, with this crazy, incredible cast. of Meryl Streep. Oh, sure. Benedict okay. Cumberbatch, Julia Roberts, and on and on. Chris Cooper, amazing cast. And um, it opens with the father of the family dying. Okay, Meryl Streep's his wife, and she's horrible. She's just a horrible, horrible woman. Right? And... Um, you realise how did Meryl Streep, keep, how has this family stayed together for so long, it's because of the father. And now that the father is gone, this family is going to fall apart. Right, It's not going to stay together because yeah. everyone hates each other. Yeah. But they like the father it seems. Yeah. So it's it's um it's a very toxic family. So that's that's you know yeah. what you're saying like how did they get here it's like this is how they got here. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. but it, and it's great because it also again it it's, it's invisible. Yeah. You have to pick it up because you notice how people are reacting and you go okay it's it's one of those wonderful things about subtext that people I don't think understand which is how it can dramatize exposition invisibly. Like people people don't get that if two ca- if if you if you if if this backstory relationship between two characters is actually real, and they don't need to talk about it, the audience picks it up. You get you get that all the time in something like The Wire, right? Yeah. You just start picking up how the world works without them telling you. Well, you get it all the time in good shows and good. It's, and it's one and of the big TV. mistakes of fantasy stories, because they put all the exposition in there. Yeah. To explain it. it's like you don't need to. You don't need to explain those things. those That's not the important things. We get those you know, things.
1: When we were talking this through before um, yeah. we recorded it and I was trying to think of some examples yeah. um, of institutions applied to certain groups and uh, I instantly wanted to ask your opinion on the Fellowship in Lord of the Rings yeah. and then immediately pulled back thinking, no, I don't think there's anything there actually because yeah. with fantasy typically it's
0: all on the nose, isn't it? Yeah, it t- well, some of it can be, but no, the Fellowship has an institution underneath it. Which is? Which is, I, what's the name of it? Um, what's the name of a group of, um, what do you call it? Not a regiment. A group of soldiers.
1: Oh, you mean, okay, so they're,
0: so yeah, not yeah, army. It's,
1: uh, regiment's fine, I think. No, it's okay, like, a, small,
0: like a band of brothers type group. Okay. It's okay. a small group, a squad. Squad, okay. They're a squad. Okay. They've been charged with a specific mission to go into enemy territory, right? And they have to go do it. And they each have specific skills to get into the enemy territory. Okay. So, um, so you, and in fact, it's very clear because Tolkien, um, he said that he never would have got through the First World War without his squire or his page boy, because he was an officer. Right, yeah, yeah. Frodo and Sam's relationship is that relationship. Okay. And so, okay. uh, and so you have these characters. So Gandalf is very much the chaplain. You know? You know what a
1: chaplain I is? I don't know what a chaplain is. It's the religious.
0: Person in the army. Oh, right. Okay. Right. Who's in charge of the religious rites and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. That's Gandalf. Yeah. Gandalf is just like, let me tell you about Psalm twenty-seven. <laughs> right. Like that's that's how it works. Right. That's who Gan- Gandalf is. And um,
1: if anything, I thought the first impression on this episode was going to be Tony
0: Soprano. I can't can do you, Tony Soprano. Can you not? Not without really swearing a lot. <laughs> like there's Oh ah, no, no that's Silk. That's Silk. That's no that's Silvio. Oh no it walks Ow, That's different. <laughs> we had we had a podcast. Okay. It's gone now. <laughs> like all that interesting stuff. Forget it. What impressions can best do?
1: Um Okay. Well, let, let let's push on from the fellowship because I'm conscious of time. I'm doing my tony. I'm trying to get my it. tony. Stop it! <laughs> he does a lot of that the nasal breathing. Um, so okay, there's, there's again. I will put those six things up on the uh, timestamp because there's there's a lot to take in. But we're going to go back through them and apply them or not apply them. Uh, Analyze how they are done in Sopranos. Yes. Before we do Sopranos, really quickly, just want to briefly
0: synopsisize. So, the Sopranos is uh, that show that you all know. <laughs> uh, the Sopranos is the show about a character called Tony Soprano, who is the head of a family of mobsters called the Sopranos. Uh, and so, they are because in the mafia, there's five crews. There's five. not crews, but, big, but five big families, right? There's uh, there's the family of New York. There's the family of Sicily, and I forget the others. I don't know what the others are. They're, okay. the, they're the only two that I, I've mentioned in The Sopranos. But there's five families or something. Yeah. Or there's five families in America or something. Yeah. I don't know. They keep talking about the five families. Okay. Yeah. The Sopranos is supposed to be the sixth family, but some people like they it's like they're not really a family. Like there's one scene where they go, they're not a family. They're a glorified crew. Okay. okay, so there's a bit of a power dynamic, but th- that's what the Sopranos are, okay? And so Tony has his his family of mobsters, uh, Silvio, Pauli, Chris, um, and so on. But he also has his other family, his real family of Carmela and his son, AJ, and his son, uh, daughter, Meadow, and his mother. And his dad, who is dead in the show, uh, was... A, a mobster and he uh along with his uncle junior created the sopranos as far as i remember they created the the, the family group um his, they they did a, they robbed a card game and they did it with such sort of such balls <laughs> that uh they um they ended up becoming big names and stuff and um yeah cuz ralph soporato was supposed to be part of it and stuff Okay. Uh and they also have um Jackie Aprile uh who's the who's the who's the mob boss at the beginning for the Sopranos. Yeah. Uh of the show. And so the show went had seven seasons. The sixth season was part 1, part 2. Yeah. Um and the first five are good. The last seasons are really bad. We
1: actually at some point I still think we should do a a podcast yeah, just that. on that last yeah, season but yeah. we'll,
0: we'll leave that for today we'll focus on the first um... yeah and so the, those those first five seasons of The Sopranos were really excellent and um, the show um, had a sort of progression in it which was t- the, the show's genres are essentially a domestic drama and a political drama they're not really crime stories because it's not about who done it how done it are they going to get away with it are they going to get caught yeah. uh, tony is never tony's exposed before the first episode yeah Do you, there's no there's no you're not waiting for tony to get caught or exposed yeah that's never a thing so that's the dramatic happen. question is never like how no, and it's, why no it's will it's, he be it's a thing in the background of him, but he, he's he's not someone who's <clears throat> trying to get away with crimes there's a couple of fbi things that show up that where he might get arrested yeah. But really, fundamentally, when those things happen, the two big questions you ask yourself are, are his families going to fall apart because of this? Is he going to lose power in those families? Yeah. Those are the two questions, which is the domestic drama. Are they going to stay together or fall apart? Or the political And the political drama is, is Tony in charge or isn't he? So on the one hand, you're watching Tony become in charge of both his family and his mob family, his crew. And at the same time, you have him trying to keep the crew together and keep the family together versus having them fall apart. Mm. And um, so in the first season, Tony is kind of cast as a son in his mob family and in his actual family. It's all about his relationship with his mother and his uncle Junior. The second season is about him as a brother between his brother, between Pussy. uh, Pussy, I forget his name. Sal wasn't it, big pussy. That's, his nickname was big pussy, but his the, char- the character was like Sal Bopencero or something like that. Right. Um, so Pussy is not just in his f- mob th- family; he's also his best friend. Yeah. Um, and there's also stuff to do with uh, Archie, or Artie, Artie, oh, the, oh, the, the restaurant owner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then the third season is him as a father, so it's about Jackie Jr. April. Um. It's about him being a sort of a surrogate dad to him because Jackie April is dead so it's about him being a surrogate family to him but it's also so, and Jackie Jr is trying is also part of the mob so it works as him on both sides as a father the fourth season is him as a husband and the fifth is the boss and the sixth is kind of like a grandfathery type thing for some of it but not really sure. um, but so so uh, so obviously that those things shift yeah. okay and so that's how the Sopranos sort of plays out in this relationship over the yeah, course of the story. Yeah.
1: But they're pr- primarily what, what we wanted to establish is that, that you have the two families. You have the
0: real-life family. Yeah.
1: And then you have the mob family.
0: Yeah. So let's... <clears throat> and so they're institutionalised in the... It's, it's What's great about it is the genres, everything about it, the questions you ask, are the same for both it, both groups. So the family is run like a... <laughs> like there's the, the mobster The whole thing of it, the show, is... Tony's mob. How does Tony's mobster element influence his family life, and vice versa? Yeah. So that whole show is mixing and matching all of this stuff over themselves, like that. So, for example, there's one scene where Meadows' friend, her dad, uh, his dad, her friend's dad, is played by the T1000, Robert yeah, Patrick, yeah, yeah. and Tony and he are friends. So there's this is the domestic part, right? Yeah. However. The guy is a gambling addict and he starts playing in Tony's games and Tony lets him get into enormous debt that he can't possibly pay back. Why? Because once he does that, he can bankrupt him getting lots of free things. That's how Tony gets paid after all. And so he destroys this man's life. Okay. And this man is not just his friend, but the father of Meadow's best friend. So his mob elements totally destroy his family side, and the family side is destroying his capacity to be a mobster, right? Because it causes a huge friction between him and Richie April because the guy's a gambling addict, so he doesn't get into debt with just Tony. He gets into debt with other mobsters. Hmm. And Tony, as the boss, is like going, hey, right, I, he pays me first. <laughs> and all that stuff they're also the chef Ar- Artie is it Artie or Archie? I think it's Artie it's Artie right? the the chef he wants to get money and um, he goes to Ralph he gets an opportunity for some money and he goes to Ralph and he goes hey I want some money for an investment and Ralph goes no nope, sorry can't do it and he goes why not? What, what's wrong? why won't you lend me money? It's like because if you don't pay me back I can't break your legs <laughs> right? but Tony does lend him the money yeah. And when the guy loses out and thinks he can't pay Tony back, he tries to kill himself. And in fact, Robert Patrick's character also tries to kill himself. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> and of course, this makes Tony feel really guilty, <laughs> right? And so, it's so so like it's this whole thing about like the, the way those two constantly interact is how that like the show, the Yeah, fight. that's how yeah, yeah. the oh, the whole engine of the show is built around that
1: interaction. So let's talk examples then. Um, in terms of family and the mob, let's talk subtext. Right. So how does this institution uh, generate subtext within the family and within the mob? <sighs> okay. I mean, we can we can pick
0: examples from anywhere in the show. One here, of the so. best, most obvious examples of subtext between these two things is when Carmela tries to argue with Tony. Yeah. Because when she starts to get one up on Tony, Tony kind of reminds her he's a mob boss. <laughs> And then he reminds her she's an accessory, <laughs> right? And there's just no way out of this. Like, she likes to go. Like, Carmella likes to think, I'm, I'm right, I'm good, I'm a good person, all that stuff. It's like, you know where the money comes from, Carmella. Right. Right? You know where it comes from. You can't pretend it doesn't. Like, when she gets really upset with his mistresses and stuff, it's like, who do you think you married? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's, So the subtext in it is, on the surface, they seem husband and wife. Tony seems to love her. She seems to love him. But under the subtext, these are criminals. Yeah. And Carmella forgets this sometimes.
1: You know, for the years I watched the show, this is the only thing I saw Edie Falco in. Yeah. Uh, and I hated Carmella. Me too. For the entire show. Me too. It's like, good lord, just the, the ticks and the mannerisms and the well, way she talked. Yeah. Absolutely hated yeah. her. Um, watch Nurse Jackie, and I just fell in love with Edie Falco. She because walks you realize, differently. Yeah, you realize that it's all—it's just all action. None of it, it is Edie Falco. Her, she's amazing. All the characters. She's yeah.
0: amazing, Edie Falco. Yeah. Like her, she walks differently <laughs> as Nurse Jackie. Yeah. She her. There's a thing she does as Carmela where she her, her wrists are limp. Yeah. Nurse Jackie doesn't do that. No. How? how does i don't think that the, she, maybe there's twins right there's two women the only explanation she's so good edie yeah. Falco. like she's unbelievably good unbelievable she's just a magnificent yeah. woman just the, the, the respect I, yeah i love that. i like carmella so much more because of nurse jackie because yeah. now i'm like this is a performance yeah like she in other words what we're saying is edie falco is such a good actress we forgot she's acting right <laughs> right, fine, <laughs> but yeah. So okay. that's that's one obvious thing of subtext. Subtext, in, uh, what? Subtext in the mob family, though. Oh, in the mob. Yeah. Uh, there's there's well, there's all kinds of subtext in the mob. Uh, what's what was it? David Chase said about the show. Seventy five percent the characters are, of the time the characters are lying. Oh yeah. So there's one there's one bit where. Tony and Jackie, uh, Tony and Ralph are talking about Jackie Jr. because Jackie Jr. has committed, a, has tried to ape what Tony did, which is rob a, a card game.
1: Yeah,
0: but he goes horribly wrong and he kills people in yeah. the card game. He injures Furio and all that stuff. It's like, this is a big mistake. And like the only person in the mob, in the in the in the heist that is alive is Jackie Jr. All the others are dead, and he's gone into hiding. And Tony and Ralph are talking about what they're going to do. And Tony's like, look, it was your con game. You've got to make the call. And Jackie Junior's like, I want to give the kid a pass. And he's like, Yep, yeah, well, yeah, if you want to give the kid a pass, you can. It's your choice and all that stuff. The subtext, however, is not this. The subtext is they both know Jackie Jr. has to die. They want the other one to make the call. <laughs> they want to be able to lie and say, hey, I didn't want to do it they don't want to take the blame for killing Jackie Jr. Right. right. So the subtext in that scene is they both want Jackie Jr. dead, but on the surface, it totally sounds like they're trying to give Jackie Jr. a break. Sure. But the subtext is, no, they're trying to. And that's kill. generated from the family institution. Yeah, because on the surface, it sounds like <clears throat> two sort of surrogate dads <clears throat> talking about their best friend's son. I'm with you. And how they're going to look after him. Yeah. They're acting like parents, almost, on the surface. Yeah. In the subtext, they're two... Gangsters trying to not take the blame for killing a kid, <laughs> um, and so wow. that's you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's there's loads there's like oh, every, everything in the Sopranos is like this, by the way. Mm. <laughs> like every 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 time they do anything, it's this way. Like um, when oh geez, um, I'm trying to think uh, because there's so many of them. Um, oh, Paulie, I love Paulie. <laughs> When, when uh, Tony uh, has a painting made of him with a horse that he loved. Yeah. And he gets angry with the horse. The horse dies. And so Tony gets really angry and throws the painting out. And Paulie finds the painting. And he likes it. So he takes it home, puts it up on his wall. And then he takes it to a guy to restore it because of the fire damage on it. Yeah. And he restores it. By, but he has Tony dressed as Napoleon. <laughs> and he puts up his wall. And then Tony comes to his house, sees the painting, goes... You mother, why is this up here? You know how much I love that horse? What are you? It's like, is this a joke? Why, you put me in some sort of faggy costume? Is this a joke? It's like, it's a general. <laughs> You're a general, Tony. He's like, he loves Tony so much. Yeah. He's done this. And he goes like, why do you do this? Do you know how much it hurts? And he goes like, I didn't think it would matter. You never come round no more. Right. Now, what's the subtext going on here? Right. This is like on the surface. It's like, hey, it's like, hey, listen, you know the FBI. They tap all our houses. You know, I want to come and see you, but I can't. Like, what's going on? It's like on the surface. It's a criminal. Right. It's a criminal mobster and his second like most loyal person. What's the subtext? It's a friend going, why don't you talk to me anymore? Right. (laughs) I miss you. You're my best friend. Why don't we chat? Why don't we hang out? And Tony going like we've we've I've grown apart, you know. Like it's that's the subtext that's going on in this thing. So uh, and also there's uh, there's the bit where he kills Ralph. He's <laughs> when he kills Ralph, he goes, "You killed her, you and you think he's talking about the horse that they use yeah. to win ra- races that they're making lots of money off the horse, right? Yeah. He's talking about a prostitute that he liked that he that Ralph killed. Yeah, of course, beat to death. That's what yeah. he's talking about. So, they, so it's just like constant like. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So that's that's
1: subtext. I yes, mean, Sopranos would just be a great. We could just talk about <laughs> subtext if alone. It's let, Let's it. hammer through. Yeah. Uh, polarizing and dimensionalizing as a result of the
0: institutions. <laughs> I, like, I just feel it's so obvious. Like, do we really <laughs> have to keep going? Through? How how is the cast polarized? How do they all react differently? Take any scene with Tony and Silvio, and compare it to any scene where it's Silvio and Paulie. Right, and you'll just see what I mean. Like Tony and Tony and Silvio. He at this. Tony goes eating his burger angrily, and Silvio's like, You know, maybe it's okay if we do this thing and that thing. And he's like, He's, you know, he's consiglieri, and he's like, Okay, yeah. you know, he's helping him out, and he's being his confidence. When it's Paulie and Silvio, Oh, <laughs> like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> so they start just yelling at each other, and they start, you know, so because they're on an equal playing field. They've yeah. both known Tony for a very long time, they're both Tony's best friends, okay? But at the same time, he's the mob boss. Yeah. And the way this works is treachery and loyalty, right? And so if there's a power play between Silvio and Paulie, it is a super tough power play. Because Silvio earns more money for Tony than Paulie does. But mm. Paulie has known t- Tony longer than Silvio has. Mm. And so they have a whole different reaction to how they treat Tony and how they treat each other mm. because Tony's the boss. Yeah. Uh, and um and as a result they treat Ralph differently so Ralph gets treated differently cuz Ralph doesn't really respect Tony right so yeah, yeah, because course. Ralph is a big important guy in the mafia but and he he's the top earner he's he earns the most money right but they don't like each other okay and Ralph and Tony are Ralph is constantly insubordinate with Tony hmm. um Richie April for example doesn't respect Tony he thinks of Tony as a little kid.
1: I was going to say, I want to pause quickly yeah. on Ralph. How did that fit in with family? What do you mean? What if he's insubordinate? Is it just like an insubordinate kid towards father?
0: Oh, I see what you mean. Uh, no, no. It's like having uh, an in-law.
1: Right. Okay.
0: Okay. Any and it really is because Ralph dates ja- uh, yeah, Tony's, Tony's sister. And Richie also dated Tony's sister. <laughs> he married her, in fact. He married Janet. So this this whole way that they
1: react that they react and behave with each other yeah <clears> it's, comes out of it just does like how they're related yeah, in this institution. Christopher
0: is kind of like Tony's little
1: brother, yeah, right, uh, or his son. He's actually he's his. actually nephew in the show. Isn't he's it? his
0: actual nephew. But it
1: doesn't behave like a nephew. It's like son. He,
0: well, he he cares he cares he's his a, mob son, uh, but also his his little brother when Tony Blondetto shows back up to Steve Buscemi's character.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, that's a very different dynamic that they all play into like watching if you watch like tony there's a bit where christopher is uh, get, uh is, has in, <laughs> he has an intervention for his drug abuse it's just the funniest scenes no, right yeah, it's no, like you're weak <laughs> it's just like you're weak and you're an embarrassment to the family oh, i'm an embarrassment to the family like that you know there's nothing so uh there, but there's a bit where tony says any other person their intervention would have been a gun at the back of their head yeah sure. but because he's his nephew. It's okay, but Tony really does love Christopher in his own way, yeah. um, and so uh, th- there's a, I mean there's one bit where the, he's about to kill Christopher, right? Because he yeah. thinks Chris, uh, he because Christopher's convinced Adriana had an affair with Tony, mm. and he's like, "You brought me to this," you know? Like they don't. He doesn't want to do it, but he's going to have to, and yeah. so that that relationship really polarizes the cast in a beautiful way because they all whenever a situation happens from outside the family that affects the family they all react differently because they're polarized. But with mm-hmm. inside the family, they all react differently to each other.
1: Yeah.
0: And so, and as soon as and every season they'd add someone new to the family and people would die and get taken out of the family. Yeah. And that changes the dynamic because now that character isn't there. So when Chrissy becomes a made man, right, people don't treat him like a made man yeah at first he's still the rookie guy yeah he's yeah, like yeah. he's pissed off because not people are being treated importantly these these the, uh, um
1: this dimensionalization or sorry polarization yeah. has come from the family element yeah rather than because i mean just research in, in, and, in, yeah. and like in and, but and, I mean they're they're in the mafia so you could have boss and yeah soldier and yeah. boss and
0: capo or, or whatever
1: right. But actually, with that family element, it gives it a whole new flavour.
0: Right, it right. does, and it it, it translates. Uh, it, it also means that they have a history just outside of the ma- what we're seeing on television. That there's a history that yeah. goes back decades to when they're kids yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So they know they know each other inside and out. And so there's things that they say, and also and also, it, uh, it, what's funny is watching those that institution. How, what the extent of it is. So, for example, when, when Paulie and Christopher get stuck in the forest. Oh god! Yeah. Right. At first, they're kind of like Paulie. It's kind of like the mentor student type thing, right? Paulie's yeah. the guy in charge. He knows what he's doing. They've gone to do a thing for Sil, right? And Chris is there. He's the young guy and all that stuff. <laughs> friendship just slowly erodes it's destroyed <laughs> and they start thinking about killing each other and all that stuff as they're trapped in the forest and then it's just like at the end it's like okay we can't rat each other out for how badly this went and you know it's like they did they even kill the guy they were meant to kill it's just a total farce. i've forgotten about that episode That's yeah so good it's really funny um let's let's push on yeah um imagery then uh, so the, the the image systems being like the the family is the mob, the mob is the family, and all that yeah. stuff. Like Tony, um, you know, he he has to he tries to keep. The, a lot of the imagery comes out in the dreams, yeah, okay. uh, that Tony has, and that's how it's played out. But there there isn't really sort of an image system play. The Sopranos isn't a very poetic type show. There yeah. is there is some. There is some. There not an some. image system, but there is imagery. Yeah, I would suggest. I sure. would think there's there's imagery because the image system, th- the symbols kind of mean what they mean. If I remember right. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, not completely. Like there is
1: the fish. I was. Gonna, I, that's what I'm thinking of right now. That's season two, isn't it? Yeah,
0: but it's more of a metaphor type thing, really. Like you know, sleeping with the fishes. It's kind of a pun. Yeah. yeah. He he. You know, in the dream, he talks to a fish. Yeah because I'm sleeping with the fishes and yeah. it's 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 too overt to really be an image system it's yeah. more just sort of symbols okay, and so, they kind so. of do that one of the problems with the last season is they overdo it um
1: so s- some imagery then um as a result of the institutionalization
0: yeah I'm trying to think' I'm trying family to remember imagery <clears throat> i mean the Im- the imagery really comes out as I said like the fact that the first season tony's a son hmm. He's trying to avoid an assassination by his mother and uncle, right? Mm. That's the first season. That's still how the imagery sort of plays out. Um, so the way it's, I,
1: I would, I would wager there's quite a lot in the words that they use and the, there is. the way they it, speak to just, each other. There is. It's just.
0: It's not the same thing. That it's. It's. It's more just sort of. It's. It's more symbols. Yeah. As it what.
1: Oh. Okay, um, generating turns then institutionalisation of the cast. Instit-
0: well, we institution- talked about the made man thing. Oh, the Chris thing. Yeah, Chrissy yeah. becomes a made man, and oh, that yeah, creates yeah, all yeah, kinds of scenes cool. because they've established that the relationship between Chrissy and the others is kind of like the the kid brother. Yeah. He's finally let in the treehouse but he's not treated like the rest of them. He's still the kid brother, even though he's in the treehouse and at the poker game, and he's getting annoyed with that. It's like, when are you going to start treating me like a man? And they're like, when you start acting like a man, like, that's literally, it could just be a family arguing. So they could have sat down and said, look, okay, this
1: this is like a a kid. What happens if... If he's suddenly exactly. a man and not yeah. treated what right. suddenly- what happens yeah. if he suddenly turns and, into
0: and an and then and then there's all kinds of scenes where meadow ex- where meadow's behavior towards Tony is that of someone trying to extort money yeah like she's constantly manipulating him and guilt tripping him and all that kind of stuff and it's uh, and so meadow is very much kind of like you know uh, a kind of Lady Macbeth type character so there's all mm. that sort of mobster elements that are coming from meadow and things. Um, But I think what happens is the the nature of how those two are linked just starts generating elements of story turns and things like that, Uh, just inherently things like when uh, Christopher robs a truck with his friend that Uncle Junior controls the roots of, they're paying protection to Uncle Junior. They robbed the thing because Tony said it was okay. And Tony's secretly the boss. He's let Junior be the boss overtly because that way if he gets arrested, so what? He doesn't have a family. Mm-hmm. But everyone knows Tony's really in charge and Junior's not aware of this. And so when Christopher does this, Ju- Uncle Junior says, you're not allowed to do this anymore. And Tony's like, just do what Uncle Junior says. Okay? Mm-hmm. Christopher's friend decides to do it again. And Christopher's like, you know what? I don't want to be involved. I think we've got to step up and do the right thing, which is, you know, play this game properly. So, But the guy does it anyway. Mm. And so Junkle Junior has the guy killed. And Christopher discovers that his friend's been killed. And so the first thing he does is he picks up Meadow. He talks to Meadow. And he says, and he thinks that the reason he's been, he's been targeted is because he sold Meadow some drugs. Mm-hmm and uh he's like did you tell your father about it? Did you do this he's wondering like who's trying to kill him and why and all that stuff and so the first thing does he goes for meadow so you have these scenes because christopher is so interrelated with the family and we know who the family cast are and the dynamics and so on, you have scenes where characters react by interacting with characters in different ways and so it just generates all these scenes like what would christopher do well he'd go to meadow yeah right yeah. that's the first thing he would think of yeah. Um, what? How, how? How? does Tony deal with um, uh, Christopher's uh, in sobriety mm. They have an intervention, mm. you know, like because he's a family guy, and it, the fact yeah. that they're, they're mobsters and it ruins intervention, the intervention is what makes the f- scene so funny. The intervention actually yeah, is such a
1: good example for this because it is mo- yeah. mobsters having an intervention. Yeah, it ha- is having a family. It's, intervention. It's, it's
0: like it could be a comedy sketch yeah. for SNL or something, yeah. you, know? <laughs> you know. Also. Uh, It's really sad, that scene now. It's really tragic. Because? Because there's a bit in the scene where Tony says to Christopher, this isn't about my temper. This is about you killing yourself with drugs. And Christopher goes, I'm going to kill myself? The way you eat, you'll be dead of a heart attack by the time you're 50. Which is actually kind of what happened to Gandolfini. Like, Ah. he did die around, I think, 51. Yeah. And it was just like, uh, that's kind of... It's kind of sad. <laughs> like Christopher <laughs> says that and it's kind of true. Yeah. Um but anyway, uh, oh by the way, I, there is one uh, some imagery that they do do just reminds me now. Um that in the 5th season there is a bear um yeah, I at, when the bear was Yeah, uh, it's in the 5th season and it, there's a bear... Carmela has kicked Tony out of the house for his his <laughs> constant constant infidelity. And they're apart. And it's just this thing where <laughs> she wa- <laughs> There's out of nowhere there's a bear right there's just a bear in the backyard and, she's, and she, she panics she doesn't know what to do with the bear she tells Tony Tony's like it's a shotgun he sits out camp protecting the family from the bear all that stuff at the end of the season when this was supposed to be the last season uh, Tony is at war with New York he manages to avert the war mm. the FBI come when he's talking with Johnny Sack in New York the boss of New York The FBI show up and Tony just legs it. And we know that the FBI have been building a case. He calls his lawyer. It turns out the case they're building isn't up against Tony. It's against Johnny Sack. So Tony has avoided the FBI and then he has to walk all the way home. Mm. And um, there's this great moment where there's a rustling in the bushes in his house and you think it's the bear and Tony comes through. And just goes back home because he's made, uh, made it good with Carmella. And what I loved about that as the final episode and the final moment of the show was, like, Tony did it. He's in charge. And he held his families together. Mm. Like, he did it. Right? The bear, the danger that was there. It's like, <clears throat> well, now, the, Tony was the danger, but at the same time, he's now going to protect the family. Mm. Like, there's no danger following Tony anymore. You see know what I mean? Yeah, 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 So there's that sense of that. There's a lot of imagery with animals now that I remember. Like, ducks. with the ducks and everything. Because uh, the way Tony reacts to animals. Yeah. It's how Tony's, like, actually, his compassion, actually. He's compassionate. He doesn't have it towards people. He has it towards animals. Yeah. So, um... Uh, so, Tony, um... So that's one of the aspects of inventory anyway. But yeah.
1: Invisible exposition? Did we...
0: I think we just did that, didn't we? Did we? Oh, we do, do, do we do generating to... turns?
1: Gener- no, we did generating turns. We did do put, in invisible exposition. I ticked off
0: Expo just because I was about to say it and I don't think we covered okay, it. Okay, so invisible exposition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's loads. It's just constant. Like it's, it, the problem with it being invisible, it's hard to express it. <laughs> it's invisible.
1: Just give us one juicy example.
0: Uh, uh, I, think I have invisible exposition. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, uh, <laughs> Ralph wearing a wig, right? Ra- Ralph being gay, not gay. He is kind of like, no, he's not gay. Is he? He's he's just really sexually perverted. Yes. It's you know, Vito's gay. Ralph is said a masochistic. That's what it was. Alright. Yeah. So that there's some invisible explanation. He can't get it up with certain people and all that kind of stuff. And so. Uh, there's a sense of just like, uh, that he's been lying about... Okay, here's a great one. Ralph was supposed to be at the heist that Tony and Jackie April did that yeah. put them on the map, yeah. right? Which was the robbing of the card game, which is yeah. what Jackie Jr. copied. And Jackie Jr. is asking Ralph about this because Ralph is dating Jackie April's uh, wife, widow, right? Yeah. So he asks him, you know, what happened? And he goes, this happened, this happened. And I was like, How, what, are you a part of their crew? How come you go?" ah, I'm still sick about it this day. I had sex with a prostitute. I got the clap. Right? You know he's lying. Right? You don't know when he tells that story. But later on, you realize, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He can't get it up unless like he's having his penis grated or something like he seriously like, the guy like Janice is explaining this to him like he's completely like totally sadomasochistic. He can't he can't have sex normally. Yeah. Right? So there's no way he had the clap. <laughs> he's lying, so why didn't he do it? Because he's a coward. Right. Right? That's why he didn't do it. So there's some invisible exposition, I guess. Um <laughs> The fact that he's been wearing a wig the whole time and they only find out when he's dead because they pull his head and the wig comes right off. Uh, You don't know (laughs) until that moment. Uh, What other Invisible Exposition is there? I was thinking
1: more in relation to the family and the mob stuff
0: and uh,
1: it's probably relationship stuff.
0: Oh, okay. Um, like, Like what? I guess actually
1: th- thinking back to it, just from the way that um, Tony, Sil, and Paulie act to yeah. each other, yeah. and you do get a sense of history, yes, um, and why they react in this way to yeah. each other. So, I mean, there—that's that, the sort of
0: example I was, I was thinking of, right? Um, okay. Well, Tony's Tony's <laughs> guilt towards Tony Blondetto yeah, um, things like that, yeah, uh, yeah. There's all kinds of things that you you just what's invisible is you get very early on that Tony isn't just the boss he's their friend yeah do you see what I mean yeah. like you get that very clearly those relationships aren't spelled out they don't say hey we've been friends for how long huh? Uh? they don't do that they just kind of go like the way they just talk you know they're yeah. friends you know like you know the way he puts his hand on his shoulder and stuff and he goes poorly it's me Right, like there's there's a bit where he does that with Artie, I think, as well. Mm. Where it's just like it's me, Artie, you know. Um, so the exposition they don't they don't need to spell out stuff that they already know because they already know it. And uh, when they do things, you pick it up because of the way they're interacting. It's the only thing that makes sense. And then they say things uh, that the when they go to do a thing, it's just Im- implicit in how they talk. Mm. So.
1: Okay, uh, lastly then tactics. How yeah. do the institutions uh, generate tactics.
0: Yeah, so Tony will like go to Paulie for one type of situation and Silvio to another. You know, like if there's a situation that's brewing and he goes to Silvio it's like, you know, Silvio it's like what should I do? Paulie, here's what we're going to do. Hmm. So there's a difference, right? From the fa- and
1: that's come from the family institution within the mob.
0: Yeah, because he knows what Paulie's good for. He can't trust Paulie as much as he can trust Silvio. Oh, I'm with you, okay. And also, Paulie isn't a smart Sylvia. So he doesn't... He doesn't. And Paulie also is really full of himself. So if he goes up to Paulie and asks for advice, mm. it's a huge mistake. Because that's giving Paulie ideas above his station. Mm. Whereas if he goes to Sylvia and asks for advice, he's okay, because he knows Silvio Silvio doesn't even really want to be boss. Yeah. So, um... He so he can he can interact with the characters differently, but also there's things like, uh, you know, we're gonna, um, buy out that guy. You know, we're gonna drive him bankrupt. We're gonna break this guy's legs. We're gonna, you know, there's different ways for him to get things done. Uh, he can go up to a politician. You know, so when he gets pulled over for a speeding ticket, how does he deal with it? He calls up the mayor, because the mayor's on speed dial. And just mm. says, What about this guy? The police commission is on speed dial. What about this guy? And the guy goes, Yeah, we let you know, we put him in this, we changed to what jurisdiction this cop has, and all that stuff. He doesn't need to go have the cop's legs get broken, mm. right? But when um, uh, a rival gangster starts telling Hesh that, Hey, you owe me money, how does, how does Tony deal with that? Sit down, yeah, you know, let's talk about this money, let's just deal with money like that. When he's got a mole in his group that uh, is the reason why Johnny Sack is really angry with him is because there's a mole telling Johnny Sack stuff and Tony doesn't know who it is but it's poorly how does he deal with that? He deals by doing everything Johnny Sack's boss wants but the price tag is always who's the mole and if, there's no mo- if he doesn't get that information, he's not going to do anything else. Yeah, And so it causes it forces a divide in New York. So he's manipulating people in some instances, but in other, uh, other situations, like the fact that he has this institution, everyone in his group has a different role, and therefore he can use them differently to get things done. I need something cleaned up. I call this guy. I need someone to do this. I do this guy. Okay,
1: before we move on... To another example, I just wanted to highlight progression because you mentioned it at the beginning of this section about how Sopranos progresses season to season. Right. But it occurred to me that it fits in exactly with the um, institution that they use. Mm. So each season is Tony fulfilling a different role within that institution, right? Yeah. A different role within yeah. the family yeah and that is how they generate the story for the season
0: yeah it's, it's like the whole seasons uh all the the choices for that season are designed to exhaust that particular relationship yeah so there's not once they've done all the tony as son scenes they can think of in the first season they don't go back to that well yeah there's no reason to we've done that so season two then becomes very distinct Because then you get all the brother scenes out. Yeah. So Richie April gets done, right? So then when they get to the third season, they do all the father stuff. So every season is very, very different. as uh, As opposed to accidentally repeating the same beats, which is one of the major problems I have with the last season. Because they repeat a lot of the same beats. Oh, do they? Yeah. So you did this already. Right. You you did this, you did that, you just did it with different characters. Yeah. But you've done all this already. Um so for example, the Christopher s- storyline of like Tony trying to look after Christopher, maybe killing Christopher came to a huge head in season 5. Yeah. It's done. Season 6 they bring it back. Right. With the drugs and everything. It's just like you've been you've, we've gone through this. Yeah. But now cuz it's the last season You're going to do it again and this time have a different ending. It's like it doesn't feel real. It just feels like you're just trying to. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway.
1: Okay, Um, then let's push to uh, a couple of other examples. One that does use an institution and one that does not.
0: So Okay, so we talk about all these things that happen. We show how the Sopranos has all these things, right? Yeah. Okay. When you don't have this institutionalized cast, you end up with something like Suicide Squad. Okay? So Suicide Squad doesn't have these elements okay Um, so what happens in Suicide Squad is all their dialogue is on the nose the cast is polarized in the sense that Harley Quinn Deadshot Killer Croc all react differently to events but within the group they don't react differently Deadshot reacts the same way to Harley that he does to Killer Croc that he does to Slipknot that he does to uh, Captain Boomerang. Captain Boomerang reacts the same way to Harley that he does to Deadshot, that he does to Killer Croc. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So they're not polarised in that sense. Their polarisation is really sort of like totally external and one note. And so as a result they're not very dimensionalized, Um and there's no real depth or subtext to anything that they do and you have the scenes, like in The Bar, where all the characters then they're just talking about what they're going to do next and it's just like we should do this i think we should do this we should do that we should do this boom 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 boom, boom. and they're just floundering because the writers have no foundation on which to be writing their dialogue so the characters are just flat floundering or reacting the way they've reacted throughout the entire film and then it's really contrived when they decide to get together and save the city right because it's just like what's going on yeah However, you can compare this with with the film it was trying to ape, which is Guardians of the Galaxy, right? And that wonderful scene where it's like, I have I have a plan, you have a plan, I have part of a plan. What percentage of a plan do you have? <laughs> it's like you don't get to talk, and that whole thing. I wasn't listening; I was thinking of somebody else. So You know that whole sequence. Twelve percent. Twelve percent. That's barely even a concept, right? The way they're doing it, they're arguing. Yeah. Overpower. Who's in charge? What should they do next? They're having an argument. Star Lord is kind of, "I'm in charge. I'm the guy in charge." And Rocket's like, "Why?" Right? And Drax is just is, is just like trying to get involved, isn't really caring or paying attention. And then when someone calls him out on it, he's just like, "Hey, I just saved Quill. I have a right to talk." It's like, "No, you don't." Say, actually, yeah, probably I don't. You know. <laughs> uh, and then Groot is just, "I'm Groot." Like he'll—he's just trying to go along, and Gamora is like, "We have to do something, but I genuinely don't know what to do." And so, like, the characters, because they don't know what their place is, they are they they are struggling to work it out, right? So there's a constant arguing, and the institution that they're having, which is sort of like the superhero team, you know, the whatever the crew, or whatever, mm. that hasn't formed. So they're fighting over it. So there's a power play going on inside the cast. Suicide Squad, they don't do that. They literally just go, here's what I think. Here's what I think. Here's what I think. Let's do that thing then. There's no arguing. It's not like Deadshot is in charge, yelling at them. And they're going like you know forget just see, see the difference yeah so like, in
1: terms of in, in terms of guardians then yeah. obviously it's not like Guardians of the Galaxy are a family it's not that no. kind of institution but but what what have they what, laid in what would talk?
0: you call what would you call that institution <clears throat> I guess so yeah um what are they they're kind of like. I don't. I don't know what you would call it.
1: Because um, all, all I wrote down were in the notes was social politics. There's that at play. So it's there like, is. what kind of group would have that sort
0: of? Um, well, they're kind of. Well, I don't know what, what the phrase would be because the the they're, um, they're almost they're almost like <laughs> almost like an an AA meeting. <laughs> right like they're almost an A.A. meeting like they're just like we're all losers we're mm. all messed up uh, they're criminals all of them mm. um, they're, they're kind of like a like a, a cell block you know like a bunch of people just trapped together they have to try and make it work out of the thing and stuff um, but um, they're, they're kind of people who are trying to rehabilitate themselves almost like ex-cons almost Sure, is a way you could phrase it. I mean, I don't the the labeling of these things is. I I mean I don't know how you would. It's not
1: necessarily it's helpful. It's, it's also not, it's not
0: necessary to it, label. It's not necessary to label them. I mean, it can be fun, like for the Sopranos and stuff. This, I'm sure, you could come up with the the right label for what you would name yeah, them, yeah. and it'll be particularly apparent in the second one, because it'll be formed. Sure. But the point of the first one is that the is that they're sure. forming this group. Right, yeah, and it starts off. I mean, here's the thing it starts off with Rocket and Groot being bounty hunters chasing Quill, so there's a hunter prey element, yeah. Okay, Gamora steals the orb from Star Lord, right? So that has an element of thief victim, yeah, and then it's also because he's also a thief, so it's like two thieves, okay. Then Drax right? It's like, hey, don't kill her. She's coming for Thanos and all that stuff. He's like a hired goon almost, right? Mm. So they kind of start off as just like a, a really bad gang of criminals, mm. right? That are against each other and they start... So it's ch- it constantly changes throughout the story because they're forming together as a group. Yeah. And at the end of the film, when they go off together, we don't know what they're going to be like because we haven't seen the second film yet are they actually heroes are they this what kind of heroes are they we don't know yet because we haven't seen it but when they're having that discussion of what are we going to do next they're constantly arguing trying to fight over who has this and so there's an institution at play there namely that fact that they haven't got something in stone between them they haven't really got a full true relationship between them that itself then becomes the institution which is they're arguing all the time yeah and but Im- importantly that is is
1: notably absent from suicide squad
0: right in suicide squad they don't have the lack of it what they have they don't have that sort of arguing thing power politics between them what they have is they have a bunch of writers and actors who don't understand what their characters are supposed to be doing and why they're doing them literally saying what those characters are thinking and feeling at the time yeah. and then just deciding to do something together and it's really really limp Right. because that bar scene is meant to be the plan scene sure. those are supposed to be the very same moment part of a plan is supposed to be like hey we're the bad guys you know that's the yeah. thing but they're not they're not doing it they're just in a bar talking and the thing is like it could have been it could have been really good but it just wasn't, um, and I was I was saying to you just before we did this, like if you wanted to give the Suicide Squad an institution, a fun one that could possibly work would be make them like a band, right? So Flag is their manager who gets them gigs, yeah, right? And the group is like a band, right? So it, because they're doing a heist, they would argue about things like timing. So one of them is the drummer. And the obvious choice of that would be the Clock King, right? But you've got Harley Quinn pouring out the drinks. And so you've got this thing of like the guy going on stage drunk, yeah. and you know what I mean. Like their their big battle is like the stage. So all of a sudden, what does the bar scene become? It becomes the pump talk before you go on stage. Yeah. So they're not arguing. Do we go on stage? Right. The discussion is more like I'm really nervous. Like we're go- we're just gonna get creamed. Like we can't do this. Right. And the other is like, I've seen you. Right. You never miss. You never miss. Like. Yeah, but I have never tried to shoot a god in the head. Like I don't understand. Like Diablo is like having nerves. Like no, I can't. I I can't go back out on stage. He's got stage fright. Yeah, it's like, I can't go back out on stage. It's like I can't go out there. I can't do there. I can't do this. It's Like this won't be like last time. You won't. There's no one to burn. <laughs> just don't we want you to burn somebody it's gonna be good yeah go out on stage don't worry about it just like even if it goes wrong don't worry about it do you know what i mean it's like harley then becomes the one who's like the groupie she's trying to like come on guys we can do this right and 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 like flag is like i have gone to the wire for you guys so many times I've had enough. I booked you the gig. What more do you want? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And Killer Croc is like, I really, really want to do a a piano solo. We never have time for piano solos. Let me do it. Of course, the solo for him is going underwater. Like, give me a water-themed thing to do. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, like, that might be a fun thing when, like, what's happening now, by making them a band is some of them are desperate to be centre stage and some of them are desperate to not even go on stage, but they all have to go on together and work as a team to get on stage. In fact, you could argue that would be a really good one for Guardians of the Galaxy because of all the music imagery that they have. Right, sure. It could yeah, work well. Yeah, yeah. But do you see what I mean? Like, immediately, just something silly, silly like a band that changes up, that...
1: But Yeah, but it, importantly, if you layer um, a band over like mm. as a, a unit... Yeah. Over the top of yeah. a group of disparate bad guys. Yes. Then you have a really nice contradiction in play. Yeah. And will also generate humour. Right. From that as well.
0: Because uh, we were talking about Ocean's Eleven. Right? Uh, yeah. Like their their institution is they're they're putting on a magic show. Right. Right. They're going to trick a guy. The yeah. whole thing is it's a trick. Yeah. They're pulling on a magic show. So they all have their role timing is super important yeah Uh, the deception after deception after the setup they have to do all the prep work beforehand so you don't see the strings don't know what's up the sleeve all that kind of stuff Mm. so like this kind of stuff just inherently informs how you make all those other choices so guardians has it they're arguing over what they're going to do next how good of people they are they're constantly arguing 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 suicide squad they're not suicide squad they're just kind of sitting there talking and it's very empty and as a result, you don't feel anything for that group. I mean, it's just, it's just kind of funny, actually, that we're talking about the Suicide Squad as a band, like how much more fun it becomes. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like all those scenes with Diablo going like, I don't want to do this stuff. But if you think of him as the guy who has stage fright suddenly the way you write him and the way everyone reacts to him is really different and the idea that Killer Croc is desperate to do a sweet drum solo or something and like no one will let him do it, it's like dude we're not doing it and like when the sewer thing kicks in it's like okay it's your time to shine, it's like yeah you know like the, the idea like of just, I want out, I, I, I'm burnt out man, everything we're doing is cliche you know Captain Boomerang can be the artist it's like dude I use a boomerang, you use a gun like how hard is it to shoot someone with a gun kill someone with a boomerang that takes skill, you know. <laughs> then you have you can even have the thing where Deadshot and Boomerang like are trying to one up each other as right. they're killing people, you know, and that that kind of stuff. Okay. You see what I mean? Like immediately, it just starts becoming a lot yeah, more yeah. fun because the way that they're designed to interact changes. It's not because they're still polarized. They're, they were polar. They're polarized in the film, but it's not enough. <laughs> the very ca- you've you've talked before. Um,
1: I can't remember if, you, if we ever put this on mic, as it were, but um, uh, it's the um, the Transformers point you made. Transformers. Are polarized because they're toys and they have to look very different. Right, right? exactly. Suicide Squad naturally are all polarized, just right. because of the very nature. Yeah, of they, they all characters. have
0: different powers. Yeah, and they're, they're na- yeah, you're right. They're like the Transformers thing is because it's a toy thing. Yeah. Uh, He-Man is another one. Like every toy has to have a unique selling point. Yeah, they have yeah, a unique gimmick, right? So everyone is definitely polarized. Yeah. He's the Jeep. He's the truck. He's the yeah. gun. He's the cassette player cassette player kids uh, <laughs> right? he, so like they all have those things but that's but then you put, have to put those guys together into a scene and if they're not institutionalized it doesn't work like Optimus Prime was in charge right he was the, the leader and all that kind of stuff yeah. But so the, 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 the it, it, if the institution is a really great choice then it, suddenly all these scenes you it, it just changes the quality of it yeah it's just so obvious now that I look at our Suicide Squad like how much has changed just by doing that
1: sorry I'm grinning because I've just realised that we've stumbled across the one impression I can do go on Soundwave oh no don't I'll save it to the end okay (laughs) maybe
0: you kind of ruined Soundwave for me by the
1: way (laughs) so okay Um, so two questions I wanted to bring up then um, that I made notes because I love me making notes um (laughs) We talked in the image system episode, the Watchmen episode, about yeah. whether you needed an image system right. or not. Yeah. Um, and the answer is no. no. Um, depending on whether you're yeah. doing poetry or not. Yeah. Um, do you need to institutionalise your cast in this way? Oh, uh, I would think you,
0: institutionalising your cast is like polarising your cast. Necessary. Yeah, it's, it's just something that will always be done. I, I think when you see a cast that isn't institutionalised... Like the Suicide Squad example, yeah, that's not because of a choice. That's because you've done it badly, right? You're like you haven't paid attention to yeah. anything um, because instinctively you will do this. Because we all do this. We all do this. Like it's just oh. always the case. Even this podcast, right? Like, there's an institution between the two of us. Yeah, sure. Right? Sure. So, th- it's just an inherent thing. So the You mean o- that I'm the Jedi and you're the Padawan? That's right. That's, how that's it's exactly it. Yeah. Yes. And I'm the Dark Lord of the Sith that's manipulating you and you don't realize it. <laughs> right, <so laughs> Ooh, layers. <laughs> layers. we have got two layers going on. No, but th- there's, there's always something, right? So, when you write a cast and it's not institutionalized, you haven't researched your cast. Sure. That's all that means. Okay. If you research your cast, there's going to be one. I the, wanna... well, the nature of how you institutionalize is not necessary you could, there's different ways yeah that's what that's yeah. what I, I wanted to yeah so like Tony the sopranos institutionalizes it by sort of merging two institutions and then as a result the subtech they flip it so you've yeah. got a mob that acts like a family and a family that acts like a mob and that's how that's how they do it yeah. um and the fellowship though is just a squad right it's just world War one type squad stuff. In a fantasy world, and that's about yeah. it. So uh, the so Ocean's Eleven is a you know magic group and all that. It's a magic trick. So the way you do it, the extent to which you do it, hot fires, you know, the lovers, and yeah. the way you do it can be designed to be funny. Can be de- if it's imagery and it's really poetic, then it becomes invisible, right, and symbolic, yeah. and that changes the nature of it. That's very different mm. to making it obviously funny. The, incongru- the incongruity is what's funny. Yeah. So the Batman Joker, the Hot Fuzz, yeah, uh, those in Lego Batman, that is, those relationships are funny because the institutionalized nature of the cast completely contradicts what they are on the surface. So, and it's so obvious, it's funny.
1: It's funny, actually. That's a really good point because yeah. this kind of institutionalization has just kind of put a label on on how you create a lot yeah. of satire. Yeah. Yeah. So you take something and yeah. actually you you put that extra layer on it, right? Um, and and by doing that, by creating that incongruity, that's yeah. how you create the um, uh, yeah, the, create the humor. And you get gonna... because the because the, the the audience understands that institution, yeah. right? And is making the
0: connection between the two things. And and uh, it's always Sunny Philadelphia does this <clears throat> all the time. Yeah. So Mac Mac loves Dennis. Right, so, yeah, is is in part fact, of the fun? So, Frank and uh, Charlie getting married in one episode and arguing over which one of them is going to be the woman. And links into the point I just made about satire. The episode,
1: yeah. I, episode I rewatched the the other day um, was the um, the gang solves the North Korea crisis. <laughs> so yeah. the whole episode, yeah. I didn't realise until I just rewatched it. Even the language that they use, they are talking about the North Korea crisis, yes. but they are acting. Is it like their their bar is America and they've got the Korean restaurant. And
0: that's what they do with The Gang Goes Jihad. Sure, yeah. Uh, But also they do the thing where uh, the gang is uh, actually now a TV show and they play with the fact that they're a TV show so the gang desperately tries to win an award, right? They're trying to win a bar award but it's done exactly like they're trying to win a television award. So there's the whole gag of we need to go dark and burlesque and it's like, they're clearly doing the joke of HBO is winning a lot of Emmys. Right. So we need to look like an HBO show. Yeah. Right. And there's the whole gag of like, maybe we're, what's the problem? Is it them or is it us? why aren't we winning the award? And yeah. then of course like at the end, what do they do? Charlie writes a song that's perfectly Randy Newman, middle of the road type songs. Like, come to Paddy's pub. <laughs> like that. And then at the end, because he's been sniffing glue and being locked in the, in, the, in the cellar the whole episode, and he comes crawling out. And the whole, everyone is there, they've, they've tried to make it look like a regular sitcom with bright lights and stuff. Yeah. And like silly, like risque jokes, but it doesn't work because Mac just takes it as a fence and tries to strangle D, And they're like, everything Things going wrong, the burlesque element has turned into Frank sticking things up his bottom. And it's just like this has all gone wrong. So Charlie's up there, it's like, Charlie will sing the song. The song is the song is nice, middle of the road, we'll be fine, right? Like that. And Charlie just sings a different song. And he's just going, Spider, spider, deep in my soul. He starts talking about being raped by spiders. And then he starts saying, You can all just go yourselves and start (laughs) spinning at them. They go, Let's just start spinning at them. It's like the whole thing. So like maybe the reason we don't get awards is because. We're horrible people, right? <laughs> and no one likes seeing horrible people do things. But the whole thing is, they're tr- it's a show. Yeah. They're talking, they're making satire about the TV industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's... Well, then the the other question I had was... <laughs> The gang misses the boat. There's another one. <laughs> right? that, the... that, that has deliberate references. Like, we didn't used to be this crazy until you came along with all your money, pointing at Danny DeVito. He's yeah. like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, um the, the other point I was going to make then was um,
1: intuitive versus analytical. Because yeah. Obviously, this. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I take it this can be done both ways.
0: Well, yeah. like So in The Sopranos, I would guess it's both, right? Because on the one hand, it's really analytical. They made those decisions. Yeah. But then once they made them, they just intuited it through it. Yeah. Because those characters start becoming more and more defined. They have more and more of a life on their own. And so the characters start to... Um, make those choices they, they've made so many choices that the next choice becomes inevitable as opposed to you have to actively try and come up with something necessarily but there's no way to know specifically how they did it because they're not in the room but how you do it I would suggest if you're running a scene and your characters are literally saying and thinking what they're thinking and they don't know what they're doing I've written these scenes, by the way. I, yeah, know, yeah, what, yeah. I know what oh, these I know scenes exactly are like. I know, yeah. I've written those scenes, read them back after I've written them, like months later and go, what was why have I done this? Yeah. And you see other shows doing this and other comics and whatever. You see this happen and you go, why is this happening? And this is why. You haven't institutionalized your cast. You forgot to do it. Mm. It should be something that's intuitive, but because you have, to, you have to put it there. But you might put it there without really giving it any thought. But if it's not there, it's like, you know, it's kind of like with computer programmers when they're uh, doing a computer animation. They have to remember to put in gravity. Gravity doesn't exist. (laughs) Right? So someone throws a ball, you know that the ball is going to come back down. So you intuitively have the ball arc downwards. Right? But you forget gravity actually pulls the ball down in real life. So how do you make it look like it's falling down? and you have to draw or you have to animate it in a way that gravity comes down. So one of the major problems with CGI is weight. Things don't feel heavy because yeah. there's no actual weight. So it's the same thing. It's like you you it's so taken for granted that you forget it's something you need to do. Yeah. And that's when it becomes a problem. Normally though it's just there. The only reason so it's normally just there so you shouldn't need to worry about it, but it's a really great way to help again create specific choices mm. unique characters and so on and analyzing it like you know we did with Guardians of the galaxy we haven't really given it a good name but it works yeah and yeah, yeah. uh what could it be how does it work it's like as i point out it changes over the course of the story so they don't even have just one institution for the whole story they build it up over time they start off at each other's throats become cons They become ex convicts, right? They all get put in the same prison together. So it changes. And that's a totally fine way to do it. It doesn't have to be one thing for the whole story. Yeah. And in the second one it'll be very different because the first one, you know, they'll still be arguing, but their dynamic will be different. So
1: cool. Okay. Um yeah. I think yeah, I was gonna I was gonna bring up the summary (laughs) thing, but I think I think that sort of covers it. Okay. Um so yeah. Soundwave? I, thought, Soundwave? I, I was wondering if Soundwave was coming. Well, I just—I'm going to have to say his name first to get to get it. <clears throat> I have to do that for Starscream. Go on then.
0: Starscream. <laughs> Mighty Megatron.
1: Soundwave. Thank you for listening to the Story Toolkit.
0: Oh God, we just ended this. We ended this as Starscream and Soundwave. <laughs> What have we done? We have become everything we dreamed of. I can do Optimus Prime a lot better than Starscream. Go on. One shall stand. One shall fall. Megatron.
1: Soundwave degrees.
0: <laughs> no. No one calls Soundwave on <laughs> Right. Megatron. Have you seen... No, we're not going to do this. <laughs> we're, gone, we're done. We're no more, done. No more talk about 80s Transformers okay. cartoons. Skadoosh. Bye. Oh.